Hi, Dan Seaborn here thanking you for being members of the Home Run Club. Let me say that those of you who listen to this monthly CD quite often stop me and tell me how it ministers to you and how it helps you. Thank you for that. That's why we do it. Uh, We believe in marriage. We believe in family. We believe in God's design and plan for it. And we're so grateful for your support and love as we seek to continue to make a mark. This is the month where things heat up. It's August, and I got to tell you, things are heating up here at Winning at Home. We are preparing for what we believe God has led us into and opening a new facility, the Miracle on 16th Street in downtown Holland. And we thank you so much for being a part of it. We're doing our due diligence. We're trying to do everything we can do to make sure that when we open the doors, we're ready to fully honor God. We have a lot to learn. We are joining other ministries who are downtown making a difference for our inner city. And we're going to be a part of that, looking forward to it and what God has in store for us. Uh, We're going to make a mark. That's the theme of our banquet. Many of you have received, I'm sure, the invite for our banquet. I'm asking you to come. We only do the banquet every other year. This is something we're doing this year to make a mark for the Lord, to let you be a part of seeing what God is doing here at Winning at Home. So would you come? I know that for many of you, oh, banquet another night. Just come. You'll be encouraged. And we want you to be there because we want to share with you the continuing vision that God has given us to do ministry here at Winning at Home. Now, as we go to this month's edition of the Home Run Club, it's me speaking and talking about peace. i got to tell you right up front, the closing little story I'm going to share with you is from my heart. It's going to be deep. It's toward the end of the message. But I'm talking about just the world we live in not being filled with peace. And where does peace begin? How do we get peace? And as far as it is within me, Can I bring peace to a situation in my family, outside my family, wherever you are, are you bringing peace? That's what we're going to deal with. We're going to go live to me talking about that topic. And then at the end, as I say, I share with you a story I don't talk about very often, but it's something I shared in this message. And I trust it will minister to you as the Lord continues to help us all be people of peace. I mean, his word says, blessed are the peacemakers for theirs will be the kingdom of God. And so as we seek to bring peace, Let's continue to be faithful to do that. Listen to these thoughts about how to bring it, and I hope these words encourage you. Uh, We're at a time of year when we talk a lot about peace on earth, and usually when we think about peace, we do think bigger topics. Sometimes I hear people talking about peace on earth, you know, at a restaurant or maybe eavesdropping on a conversation. I can hear people talking about how frustrated they are. We just can't have peace on earth. And quite often I think to myself, shoot, we can't even have peace in our own home. Forget about earth. You know, peace of my own home. It's just hard because we live in a world of conflict. And the Bible deals with that squarely head on because the reality is we're going to finish our life dealing with conflict because we're not in heaven yet. And today we're going to talk specifically about having peace in your relationships, work, home, friends, and how you can try to keep the conflict at a minimal as much as it depends on you. That's where our verse will go today. So as part of this, uh, Pastor Kevin and Josh both invited me to teach from uh, the book of Romans. They gave me some passages, and this is the one that I landed on because I really love it. And quite often when I see a pastor begin to read a passage from the Bible, um, I notice that if I'm sitting in the audience, I'll look around and watch. Quite often we check out. So even before I start reading this passage, I'm going to invite you to check in to what I'm about to say, because I'm only going to read uh, verses 17 through 21 of Romans chapter 12. 
And if we did what I'm about to read, it would be amazing to see the difference in our world and in our homes. And I want to say in our individual lives. So I'm just going to, I want you to really clue in, listen intently to the words from Romans chapter 12, beginning with verse 17. Do not repay evil for evil. Do what is good in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, because it's written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. If your enemy is hungry, feed them. If your enemy is thirsty, give them a drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on their head. That's the favorite part of the verse for a lot of us. But the last part, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So today I'm going to ask you to look at relationships in your life during this four-week series from the very beginning to now. Probably there is a consistent face that pops up for you. And I want you to think to yourself today, how could I have peace right there? And we're going to go to, I think, the key verse in this passage, which simply says, and we're going to break it down in three parts as it's segmented off. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So let's take the first part. If it is possible, meaning, as I read that, what it tells me is sometimes it's going to be impossible. If it wasn't, the verse wouldn't say that. The verse would say, it always will be possible. It doesn't say that. It says, if it's possible. Sometimes there are going to be people that you're going to have a conflict with and you can't fix it. Problem is, we default to using that too often. Uh, the word impossible is used there. And, I, and I'm sorry, the word possible is used there. And we default to the word impossible. We say, well, it's just impossible. Nobody can get along with them. Watch this. I'm sure nobody else could get through this either. I'm sure I'm right this time. I'm sure if somebody else knew the whole story, they would say, I'm right. Did you notice how many times I'm using I'm? And if you drop the I'm off, then it becomes possible. And too often, I think there's a whole lot of I in our conflicts. Today, I would say for most of us in the conflicts we're facing, it would be possible to resolve them if a lot of I would be diminished. And that's why the second part of the verse invites us into that thought as far as it depends on you. So I don't know if you've ever done this, but you know where you're in your church and you're sitting there and you're listening to a sermon and in your mind you're going, you know who I wish was here. <laughs> well, today you're here. And as far as it depends on you, I want you just to eliminate the thought of the other person you today. You say, well, Dan, they're in the room. Don't point at them. I'm not trying to bring that up. I'm just saying, as far as it depends on you, that tells me several things. The responsibility of solving as much of this conflict as I can solve is on me, and I'm only responsible for my part. It's other people. 
You aren't supposed to fix other people. You're to work on yourself as far as it depends on you. So the first question that I would ask myself when it comes to that thought is this, am I really dead to all the self inside me? Have you ever been in a conflict situation and you say this to yourself, well, I give in most of the time in this situation anyway. It's their turn to give in a little bit. If somebody else, if I could stand in front of a judge, I'm 90% right. So I'm going to let it go. They'll be fine. They, they need to come to 50-50 before we get anywhere. See, as long as you're saying anything like that, you're not meeting the standard of this verse because it says as far as it depends on you, 100% on you. In other words, I can control me. You say, well, all I have is one little drop left in me about that situation. I want to show you that. I've got this little water sitting here with me today. And I want to show you how one, just one, one drop, just one drop will tank the whole water. Pure water, it was all good to go. And you say, oh, no, Dan, 99% of it is their issue. I only have one drop left in me. That one drop will end up tainting the whole relationship. We're going to call this relationship. And the ones you have, look, look, the color's changing. Because one drop can taint it. That drop is called selfishness. And one of the reasons we love our Lord Jesus Christ is because he poured himself. He, he didn't pour it all out and say, but I'm going to save back one drop. He poured himself completely out. And y'all do understand he was the ultimate peacemaker. He brought peace. We're about to sing good news of his birth. And we talk about it's the peaceful time of year because Christ brought peace. He is our standard. And in my life, if I'm going to meet up to that standard of making sure there's nothing left in me, that I'm going to lay all that down. What that means is, the second point on this is, I am not going to be looking at anybody else. I'm going to be focused on myself. I'm not going to think about them and what they need to do. I'm going to focus on what I need to do. I watched this happen on Thanksgiving. In the afternoon of Thanksgiving, I ran out to do an errand and I got on a highway that's a four-lane road. So two lanes going one way, two lanes going the other. And I'm going along, I'm clipping along like 50, 55 miles an hour and I I see this car coming up on my left side, it's an SUV, normal kind of day, normal situation. I'm by myself in the car and I'm checking my left rear view and I see them coming, but I can see there's a man and a woman in the front. I assumed they were husband and wife, maybe not, but they were going at it. She was working him. She was telling him some stuff and she was working at it. And I was like, oh man, they're going at it. And I was going a little faster than I thought I got to slow down. This is a sermon illustration right here. So I slowed down a little bit. I hope this wasn't y'all, but I slowed down a little bit and I could just see them. They were just going at it. And then as I slowed down and got right beside them, I literally going 60 miles an hour, I'm going right beside them. They are not looking, they don't see me, but in the back seat was a kid. And the kid and I make eye contact. And I'm looking at the kids, looking at me. And I get, you get to see the look on his face like, can you stop them? This is awful. Now, let me just stop a moment and tell you, I've been in both scenarios. I mean, I've been in both spots in that car in, in a scenario. I've been the parents, me and Jane in the front, and I've been the kid in the back seat. So I get this, I get what's going on in that car. Y'all do too. And I, I did this. I looked at the kid in the car and I, I literally mouthed the words. I said, it's going to be okay. 
And the kid's like, yeah, you're 65 miles an hour. How's it going to be okay? I mean, he's probably thinking, whatever, dude. But I, I just rode alongside him, looked at him, tried to give him a peaceful look, let him know I knew. And then the mom looked over and saw me looking at the kid, which was awkward. <laughs> and then she, she's crying. She's crying pretty hard. Then she put her arm up like this so I couldn't see her crying. And then their car started going really fast. So she probably told him, speed up, there's an idiot over here, you know? And so then I had to speed up to stay beside him. So that was awkward. But I wanted to say bye to the kid. <laughs> here's what dawned on me. Here's what dawned on me. What would happen right now if both that man and that woman in that car stopped thinking their way and thinking about them? What if they just started focusing on what they could do? What, what's this? Here's what would have happened in that car. Let's just say the guy goes, babe, it's Thanksgiving, right? She just finished one of her, mm. babe, you know what just hit me? It's Thanksgiving. And I have just been pondering five reasons I love you. First of all, she'd be like, what? We're in the middle of a good argument. <laughs> but I can tell you that if he did that, and then if he said, you know what? I got an attitude here that's not good. It's not helpful. I need to change this. I can tell you. I can tell you that the conflict, it might not end, but the arguing would end because one person can't argue with themselves. I mean, I guess they can try. But if you eliminate, if you eliminate the conflict on your side, that argument won't keep happening. I've, I've been working by the grace of God really hard on this in my home. I, I used to be, and my, I got two children sitting right here, my wife sitting right here. I used to be a yeller, a voice raiser, all that kind of stuff. And I'm, I'm going to look at my wife literally and ask her the question, am I doing better with that, babe? Is she saying yes, Kevin? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm working really hard at that. I, if Jane and I start arguing, whatever, if my voice goes up, I've been saying to her, stop. I'm not going to do this. I've done this a long time and I'm tired of yelling matches. I'm tired of, of trying to get my point across by screaming. It's ridiculous. I'm not bringing peace to our marriage and to this situation. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Yes, you'll forgive me. And you know what? We don't keep arguing. Why? Because the conflict has been eliminated. And you say, how'd you do that, Dan? Well, first of all, by the grace of God, but I'll use an illustration that really, when I thought about it way back a year ago, plus, can, can I just say to you, we're about to get, they're saying some snow tonight. When that new snow falls and you go out and walk in it, when you take your first steps, and let's just say four inches, when you take those first, you're the first one who took those steps. Now, over time, that gets worn down. And that, that's just the trail. Can I say for a lot of us, we just default to the same old trail every time. So Jane and I get into an argument and we start raising our voice. Well, that's the way we do it. If I'm going to change that, I need to start a new path in the snow. New, I'm used to this old path and I don't get my boots as dirty and as wet. Whatever. This is just what I'm used to. This is the way I am. Well, if I want to do something different, I need to start a new path, meaning I got to step where I haven't stepped before. This year, when you take a couple of steps in some fresh snow, I pray you'll be reminded, I want to take some fresh steps in my relationships too. Where I have not brought peace in the past, I want to bring some steps of peace. Think of it that way. And then 
get a new path. Like, let your default be what I'm trying to work on with my wife, where when we get into conflict, I'm not going to yelling. I'm going to, let's talk about it. Let's try to understand each other. Makes a big difference. And that really doesn't, it doesn't depend on her. It depends on me. She gets to do whatever she does. She's not a conflict person by nature. So the issue in our marriage is generally not her. It's me. And I want to work at continuing to bring peace because it's what I can do. Now, trust me, my mind goes to what she can do too. But I got to go, that's not mine. Because it doesn't say on that verse, as far as it depends on you and a little bit of them. As far as it depends on me. And that really goes to the third point in this area, which is simply you can't control. You can control your response, but you can't control theirs. I need, well, here's what we, we manipulate conversations to try to get the result out of them that we want. All of us do this sometimes. We'll try to word it, say it, and ask a question that makes it go, well, I got them now. And all that's doing is showing you're trying to control it. The one person I can control is me. The one person I can say, be peaceful, is me. The one person whose heart I have to evaluate, mine. So you bring peace to the circumstance you're involved in or you're thinking about, you bring it, baby. You just bring peace and watch and see how much better conflict is resolved as far as it depends on you. And it says, third part, do it with everyone. So what I want to do is I want to give you this final little thought of evaluation. So coming up on the screen here are going to be these two comparisons. We're going to have what I call peacemakers and what I've called peacetakers came up with that. So you got peacemakers, peacetakers. And I'm going to make a list of things on the screen here. And what I want you to do is go, which one am I? Now, you, you're going to have a little part of all of it. Okay? You're going to sometimes be this and sometimes be this. The big thing is, so we're going to put like scales here. And as the list comes up, I want you to see which way do you tilt most? If you had to say which one you are, you decide and you say, I don't really know how to evaluate myself. Ask the people riding in the car with you. They'll help you. We can get you an answer on this. So I want you to see the difference between peacemakers and peacetakers. Number one, peacemakers, they heal, and peacetakers, they hurt. Now, I can give you an easy illustration of this. We quite often watch in our nation and now our world all kind of things related to terrorism. When we think of a terrorist, we go, oh, they're so hurtful. They just want to bring chaos. They bring anxiety. They destroy peace. They just want to create chaos and hurt and harm, etc. That's who they are. Their goal is to hurt. If I can just ask this real kindly, sometimes I think there's a little terrorist in me. We don't like to admit that or see it, but sometimes I, I bring some hurt. And you got to look at yourself and go, man, I don't want to be, I don't want my family to go, here comes a little terror. I, I want them to go, man, no, no, when, when he arrives, when he shows up, there's healing. It's, it's helpful. 
kind of keep going with this list because things just make sense. Peacemakers, they assume the best. Peacetakers, they assume the worst. And I can give you a great little litmus test on this. Just simply do this. When you're in a situation, in a scenario where people say something negative about someone else, say it's at work and somebody goes, oh, you are so-and-so did, they did that. Is your first mindset, does your first mindset go, yep, that's who they are. Or do you go, well, no, wait. Let's try to give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt here. We don't know the whole story. We, we, you, can, you can evaluate real quickly which way you typically go. Do you just jump in and go, yeah, let's grind them up, baby. Because if you, if you assume the worst about people, you take peace away. I'm thinking of a situation, um, man, just this past week with a, a high schooler who after last week's message was texting with me, senior in high school. Just talking about forgiveness and that kind of thing and how she's having a hard time. She's in a group of people and they're just constantly doing this to others around them. And she said, I don't want to be that. I, I, want, I want to be a peacemaker. I, w- I want to encourage. I want to help. But you become like who you hang out with. If you're hanging out with peacetakers, you're probably going to become like that. Look at your life. Look at what you want to bring to the table. You get to decide. You know what I love about these messages? You get to decide what you're going to be. But I want you to know it matters. And the goal would be during this four-week series that you would just draw a little closer to the Lord in one of these areas and go, I'm going to, I'm going to step my new path of snow in my life. I'm going to start assuming the best. I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt. And I can tell you, this is changing in me. I think I used to have more of this spirit about people in general. I think I'm changing and going, no, I'm going to give them, I'm going to give I don't know the whole story. And I think part of that is because of the stuff I've been through and the way people have judged me. I go, well, you don't know the whole story. It's made me go, maybe I don't know all their story either. So give the benefit of the doubt. And just so you know, if you grew up with people who tend to do this, probably got a little DNA clinging to you there. So just think about that. Work at that. Third thing, peacemakers bring security. Peacetakers create chaos. That's pretty easy to see. Like, like just out of curiosity, do you think when you walk into a room, do you think people go, oh, man, I feel more secure? Like, you ever been in a situation where people are disagreeing, there's a big family ruckus or a work ruckus or somebody else, and then this one person walks in, your first thought is, oh, good, they're here. Or you, you walk in, like, oh, boy, this ought to double it down. And seriously, it's one or the other. And we want to be, again, if we're really going to be like Christ, we're going to reflect on this. Honestly, as Pastor Kevin was introducing and talking about the um, speaker who's coming tomorrow night, and he said this controversial, whatever. Do, do you guys understand that the church ought to be the leading people in this area, making peace and love and showing grace and beginning to draw the LGBT community more toward the Lord in anything that we do? That's who we are. That's what Jesus did. Of course, speak the truth. But with love, did you hear the speaker? With love. There's a big, oh, I got to tell the truth. Man, the way you're doing it, hmm. And probably for me, this I'm sensitive to this because I grew up down south where it was, you will follow the Bible. And I remember going, man, there's just nothing contagious about that. Jesus didn't do that. He called sin, sin. But you know what else he did? He loved everyone. And I think sometimes we've just really, 
been peacetakers. And I think we need to move into being peacemakers. Hope that happens tomorrow night. Peacemakers next uh, come alongside. Peacetakers push away. You ever been in a situation with someone you're trying and you throw out that little moment of trying to be constructive and positive and, and you're having conflict and you go, well, I just want to tell you, man, I'm probably not viewing this the right way. And you throw out that little trying to be a peacemaker and you get this response back. Oh, you say that now. This just sabotages it. Sometimes when we're in conflict, we can be so, mm, and if we have control of ourselves, when someone else offers some peace, then you want to come alongside that and go, man, I appreciate that. For you to say that right now, for you to offer that little olive branch, knowing how frustrated you probably are at me, that's a big deal. Thank you. That's the peacemaker. Peacetakers. No, I don't want to hear it. No, I don't. no, don't even call me. Don't text me anymore. And, you know, you got to work at being the peacemaker. Peacemakers, um, we love to see them coming. Peacetakers, see it. Love to see them going. Uh, last night, uh, we come in at 4.30 here on Saturday night to kind of rehearse and make sure everybody's on the same page and pray a while. And so last night, we had finished our initial time together around 4.30. And I was sitting down here right with where my family is sitting right now. I was sitting right there just kind of prepping for the service, going through my notes. I always take my notes and just look over them and Ask the Lord to guide, you know, my thoughts and, and say things that will honor him. And as I'm looking through my notes, when I got right here, when I got right here, uh, the Lord just, just really changed the ending of this message. There's several other points. If you want to throw them up there, you can, so you can continue to see what the peacemakers and peacemakers and peacetakers do. Just throw them all up at one time. That's good. You can just evaluate that and talk about it later. But when I got right here, we love to see them coming. A story of my childhood just came to me, and I got to tell it to you. I was 12. I thought about it last night after I got home because the story came to me, and it was so fresh in my mind that I didn't remember all the details. But the reason I know I was 12 is because I know my brother was 18. I know that because me and him had, had conversations. We had, had conversations about how when we get older, our dad was not going to hurt our mom because we as two boys, only two boys, no girls in the family growing up in South Carolina, my dad was really abusive. I need to tell you right up front, last week was about forgiveness. I've forgiven my father. He's over here at Rest Haven. We have a great relationship now. The Lord has healed all the stuff I'm about to tell you. So I'm not standing up here angry. I just need to tell you the story. So we were at our dinner table. It was a Wednesday night. I could close my eyes and just about paint a picture of the exact moments and how it unfolded. And my brother's 18. He's sitting across the table from me. I'm 12. We have watched my dad hurt my mom. And this particular night, he got upset at her about something at the dinner table. And he stood up in my little home in South Carolina. My girls know exactly what I'm talking about. And he... He slapped my mom in the face really hard, and enough that food came out of her mouth. And, and, and it was like, wow. And my brother, 18, and we had talked in bed. We shared the same bed, and we'd talk at night about how there's going to come a day when Dad does that, we're going to take him down. And I was really little, so I was like, well, you got to do most of the taking. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I can be there and cheer, but ain't a lot here. He was a lot bigger than me. And so he stood up at the table that night. It was probably 5.36. And we had to get through that because we had church. 
I had to get to church on Wednesday night. So dad slapped mom. My brother stood up and said, that's it. I think he cursed at dad and said a curse word, which in our home was like, you know, my dad's going to kill him for that anyway. So uh, my, my brother said, you're done. You've hit her for the last time. And my dad's like, what are you going to do about it? And he's like, I'm going to get a baseball bat because your life's over. And it was, it was like, wow, my brother said he's going to do it. Here we are. And he stood up to go get the baseball bat. My father stood up and said, well, you get a baseball bat. I'll get the 12-gauge shotgun. We'll see who wins. Mom started crying. As typical for her, she started praying. Jesus, help. She would just call out, Jesus, Jesus. And I'm crying. I'm hold- I we might have been holding hands. I don't know. Mom was always protective of me because I was little. And so she probably was trying to shelter me under her wing. And um, the- we watched it go down. I mean, I sat at the table and watched it. My brother came to the door with the baseball bat. He went outside and got it. He walked in the house. My dad got the shotgun. They met. Um, dad said, swing it. It'll be the last thing you ever do. Uh, my brother didn't swing it. Instead, my father turned took the butt of the gun and hit my brother, the baseball bat in his hand. Broke my brother's hand. Broke his right hand. Still broke to this day because my brother refused to ever go to the doctor. So his hand, if you see him today, is still, still broken there. Um, and then after that moment happened, my dad made us all get up, come outside. We went outside. We have a little swing out in the yard. And he said, sit in this swing. He had the 12-gauge shotgun pointed at us, loaded. Sit down. And we sat down on the swing. I was in the middle, my brother on one side, my mom, in the, mom on the other side, my mom crying and had her arm around me. And I remember thinking, I will die today. I will probably die today. And we were there for, felt like eternity, probably two or three minutes. Dad would yell something, then he would walk around, stomp around, then he would say something else, and Mom's just crying. And my brother, his hand was, he was holding it because it hurt so bad, I'm sure, from being broke. And from somewhere like way over here, like, like, like way back out of the woods kind of thing, because I, I, don't, I don't remember exactly where it came from, but there was this voice going, Hey, hey, what's going on over here? And my grandfather walked onto the scene. Uh, my grandfather was my Jesus. He was my peacemaker. His name was Jay. He's my hero in the faith. And I remember sitting in the swing. Let's say dad is there at that little pedestal. I'm on the swing with mom and my brother. And I heard that voice and I turned around. I got to tell you, as a little boy, when I saw my grandfather, I remember going, he's going to save me. He's here. Peacemaker. I got a chance at living. And grandpa did. He walked right around that swing. He walked right over to my dad. He said, give me that gun, boy. And my dad gave him the gun. He said, get out of here. And he went over to me and my mom and brother. And I remember him hugging me. He was a really big man. And he hugged me, just held me and said, it's going to be okay, boy. He's not going to hurt you. I love to see my grandpa coming. I love to see my dad going. Not anymore, because by God's grace, we've healed it. You, you need to know I've forgiven him. He's a different person. He even now will hold my brother's hand when he sees him and go, Sorry, I broke your hand, boy. So we're all good. 
thanks to a lot of counseling. No, it's still not easy when I go see my dad, ask my family. It wears me out because he takes, he, he just takes energy from me. My grandpa did not take energy from me. So, so let me, you know, as I use my hand here, I'm taking my time here because I want to tell you, people either feel this way about you or they feel this way about you. And I'm just going to tell you, when your life's all done, this is the one you're going to want. So I'm going to take that story over 50 years ago, almost. And now I'm a, I'm a grandfather. In fact, I'm called Papa. Very soon I will have six of them. So I'm getting to be an old Papa. My oldest one, his name is Jackson. He, at one year of age, had to have his leg amputated. He has been through other trials in his life to be five. He's five. So I'm putting him to bed at my house. Remember, I love to see my grandpa coming. Now I'm Papa. I want my grandchildren to enjoy seeing me when they come. So I'm putting him to bed a week or so ago at my house and we're laying in bed and we're holding hands like this. So I'm laying in bed, got of course, read him his book, get him grapes, watch TV 30 minutes, all the stuff, routine. Another snack that his mother doesn't know about. But anyway, all that stuff, <laughs> juicy one. We're holding hands like this in bed. And I said, Jackson? He said, yeah, Papa. I said, I want to tell you something. He said, okay. And I said, I want you to know, no matter what happens in your life, ever, no matter whatever happens in your life, I will always be your papa. That can't change. And your papa loves you like crazy. And he loves that. And we held hands for a minute. And then he said, so you can't not ever not be my papa. And I don't know English enough to know double negatives and all that, but I knew what he was saying. And I said, right. I said, I might die someday and go on to heaven, but even there, I'm your papa. So he's like, that can't change. I said, it can't ever change. I am your papa. Done. His hand went from this to my favorite, interlocking. He did a little interlock, and I'm big on interlocking. <laughs> so we're just holding hands, and I pray for him. And we hug, say goodnight. So the next morning, after that little love night, I'm leaving. I got to go somewhere, run an errand. And I said to him and his sister, hey, Jackson and I, I'm heading out. Love you guys. See you later. So they come to give me hugs. And Jackson gets up off the bar stool and he comes and he gets, and he is clinging and his head is buried into me. I said, Jackson, I love you. Love you too, Papa. And I said, I'll see you next time you come over. Okay. And I said, Jackson, I forgot something. Dude, Christmas is coming. What do you want Papa to get you for Christmas? And I'm thinking, you know, he's going to want Hot Wheels because I set up the Hot Wheels when he comes over. I got my own track. And so we have this fun stuff. It's good. It's really cool. And I said, what do you want for Christmas? He picked himself up off my chest. He looked me dead in the eye, solemn face. He goes, Papa, I want you to take a picture with me and I want to have that picture to put in my room.
I just want a picture of me and you together for Christmas. Whoa. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, I just want a picture of me and you together. I was like, oh, my word. That's so cool. And so Thanksgiving, we took a buttload of pictures, man. It's going to be awesome. We're going to get one of them framed like life-size. But you know what I saw in his eyes? Because I remember Jane walked over and she went, oh. You know what Jackson was saying? Papa, when you hug me and you hold me like that, and when I see a picture of me and you together, makes me feel secure. And, and let, let, me just, let, let me tell you where my mind went. You ready? ready? You, know, you know, it gives him peace. And can I say this to you? Listen, listen to me. Do you know what, I, you know what gives me peace? You ready? Just, let, let, me, let me just tell you what gives me peace. A picture of me and Jesus with our fingers interlocking forever. Like, if y'all come to my office, I've been thinking lately, I'm going to do this picture of me and Jesus together. You'd be like, who, what is that? Because you can do that stuff with Photoshop. <laughs> but seriously, peace is Jesus saying, I'm your Savior and I'll always be your Savior and you don't have to worry about it. And even when you die, I'm your Savior. That's peace. Peace is depth in Christ. And when I have it in here, when I have it in here, I can do this. And Jesus said in Matthew, when he was preaching the Sermon on the Mount, it's like up verse 9 or 10, I don't remember, but he said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Isn't that why I go to church? To become more like God? If you're here today and you're first-time guest, I invite you to get in on this. Because it'll change your family. It'll change your life. It'll bring peace. And so today, I just invite you to be a peacemaker. As far as it depends on you, be a peacemaker. And just know that Jesus, he's, he's, he, he likes interlocking. And he'll hang on to you. And so, Lord, we just give you our hands. We kind of hold them out at the end of the service. Pastor Gavin always says, open your hands for a blessing. Well, no sweeter blessing than when you show us you want us. And you care for us and you love us. Hold us close, Lord. Let us bury our heads in your chest on the days when we feel chaos and we're struggling. And I pray, Lord, today. That you would be with us in our families, our workplaces, uh, that we would take this little series on being friends and take our relationships to new levels in you. Even as we close with this song, just thinking about the beautiful things that can happen in our lives when we give them completely to you. I pray that you would see a beautiful thing coming out of our hearts and lives and that you would help us to be faithful to you and follow you in all your ways. In Jesus' name we all said, amen. As we come out of that little story, I can just tell you that my heart resonates to see all of us bring peace to our family, our kids, grandkids, spouses, life, co-employees. We need to bring peace in a world that feels like it's bickering all around us. Through Christ, we can bring peace. And my prayer is that you will do just that. Let this month be a month where you focus on what could I do as far as it depends on me. How can I make a difference for his kingdom? That's what Christ did every day on earth, and he is our role model. So let's go set that example for others, and may the Lord's peace be upon you. 
In his name I pray. Amen. Thank you again for your support of Winning at Home.